Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And joining me today is Bermudian singer-songwriter Heather Nova. Heather, thank you so much for coming in. Hi, and thank you so much for having me. I love the title of your podcast. It's That, to me, is what music should be all about. It should make your skin vibrate. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Um, so Heather, you have uh, a very interesting backstory. So you were born in Bermuda to a mother who is native to Nova Scotia. That's right. And a father from Bermuda. Yeah. You had one sister, one brother. Your sister was or is a fashion model and a television personality. Your brother is Mishka. Mm -hmm. Well known. uh, Do you know him? Uh, I know of him. Yeah. I, I do not know him, but so that you must have had a, an interesting childhood. Well, you know what I think? I mean, we all ended up doing kind of creative things. I think a big influence as a child was that we, we lived on this sailboat, no electricity, no entertainment. And I think there's something to be said for being faced with the possibility of boredom because mm-hmm. you're forced to be creative. You're forced to find ways to entertain yourself. And, um, for me, that was, uh, writing and singing and um, yeah that's how it, how it all happened you started taking violin I, I believe at a very early age yeah. you playing it and you wrote your first song at is was it 12 or 14 yeah well around then I, I mean and I remember it was I did a song about a lighthouse mm-hmm. and I wrote a song about a seagull <laughs> so those are my very innocent first songs but yeah it was something that from very early on just sort of felt like it was coming almost from somewhere else like it was it was springing up in me and even to this day songs it's partly about crafting them Mm -hmm. but the other part is really about receiving them they kind of land on me and and then it's my job to work with that little snippet of a song and turn it into something it's a mysterious process and i actually love that it's still a bit of a mystery after all these years that you Mm. can't actually pin it down and say okay i'm gonna write a great song because great songs kind of half happen to you see i'm so glad that you think that i've had the conversation before on the show where we talk about the fact that that's kind of a lost art and that you know a lot of people today try to write hits specifically and on purpose Yes. And, you know, the whole kind of crap. And you can. You can write hits on purpose, but that's formulaic. Yeah. I mean, and I can, right now, I could sit down and write a song. But what I think what I'm saying is, for me, the magic, uh, the songs that are really special have that element of of coming through you. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's, yeah, there's the craft of songwriting and... Anybody can, not anybody, but if you work at it, you can be good at that. Um, yes. And sometimes you can write a hit that way. But to me, that hit might not have the the spirit or something. That, the, the integrity. Yeah. Yeah. And after more than 10 live and studio records, mm-hmm. like your first one was out in 1993. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you've been in, I want to say Serendipity on the soundtrack. That's true. The Crow. Uh-huh. I Am Sam. Yep. Any others I'm missing? Um, there were some TV shows where my music was featured, like Dawson's Creek and mm. Felicity and big, uh, Australian soap called Home and Away. And, and those things just happen. I mean, I, none of those are things I set out to look for. It's like, you know, a music uh, supervisor will hear your record and say, Hey, that fits well in that. But mm. those are, that's a dream for all artists because it, it raises your profile and introduces people to your music who wouldn't otherwise hear it, which is helpful. So your new record called Pearl mm-hmm. is out on June 28th, and it appears 25 years after your album entitled Oyster. Yes. Yeah. 
So what's the story behind that? Well, Pearl has uh, a little bit of a nod towards Oyster in terms of style. I really wanted to go back and make a record that rocked, you know, to go back to my kind of alternative rock um, singer-songwriter vibe that um, the last few years I'd been doing more acoustic-y Americana folky records, and I really wanted to get back to that more intense sound. And it wasn't actually a concept like, oh, it's 25 years since Oyster. It was just that I felt the need to make a new record. It had been a few years. But when I realized there was that... um, that nice anniversary number, I thought, well, okay, what happens after time uh, in an oyster, hopefully with all that experience and sand and grit and stuff, (laughs) a little pearl forms. And that's what I'm hoping. The other um, connection is that I, when I was doing this album, I approached the producer called Youth. I don't know if you you know who he is, but Mm -hmm. he he was killing joke or is killing jokes bass player. So he comes from kind of a a punk rock, um, London, trance like he he wears many hats he did such a great job at helping me find the sound i wanted all those years ago and and we got back in the studio again this time and it really worked again mm. um, we're an unlikely pair in a way but something about that really sparks well i'm looking forward to hearing the record thank you june 28th pearl so now you've got uh, an excellent assortment of, of songs here in your list. Oh, I'm glad you like them. It's I do. It's uh, <laughs> Jeff Buckley kicks it off. It's great. Yeah. You've got uh, Lover, You Should Have Come Over Here. Yes. You know, in the early 90s, I was um, my, my first manager was kind of an indie musicologist, and he was um, very grassroots, and he was discovering new artists, and uh, I guess I was one of them. Um, but he said to me one day, hey, check out this – this guy, he's from New York, and I just heard him play in a cafe, and I've just signed him for his first uh, EP, which was live at Chine, and it was Jeff Buckley, and he came over to London to do a gig, and I was, I guess like everybody who ever saw him, I was completely mesmerized, mesmerized, and talk about, uh, what was it, your skin um, tingling? Skin vibrating. <laughs> skin vibrating. That definitely happened <laughs> um, the first time I saw Jeff live, and every time I saw him live, mm-hmm. and his album, that first album, was just, I think I literally wore out that CD. It was just so beautiful mm-hmm. and so much emotion. And I, that one song, Lover You Should Have Come Over, to me, I was like, yeah, you really should have gone over. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who would not go over? <laughs> you know, but it's just, and, and his lyric in that is, it's like, I, let me see if I can remember, but it's like, the parade of mourners with their their shoes filled up with water and there's just detail in a song just evokes so much and i appreciate that kind of poetry and that kind of vulnerability where he sings too young to just break free and run no too old was it too young to hold on too old to just break free and run yes. that's it and uh, there's that kind of just vulnerability and and um and then the way he sings it with that voice of his which is just so passionate and gorgeous and you know at Le- in london at the time that album came out grace and it was panned i mean the the, the critics were really um unkind and really? It, you know it didn't at all fit in with the kind of brit pop indie thing that was going on mm-hmm. and typically after he died they all put him on the cover of their magazines and lauded him as this amazing artist so yeah very special song very special guy very special guy, yeah. yeah. And like I say, his live performances were incredible. I don't know if you ever saw him live. No, that's a huge regret of mine. But yeah, just so moving. 
and so impassioned. I saw him live many times acoustically, just him and his Telecaster, I guess not really acoustically, but solo, and also with his band. And, you know, both were equally moving. Yeah. Yeah. I love his voice. Yes. That sweet falsetto. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it gets so guttural and and strong as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Incredible artist. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so tragically... You know, so young to yeah. go so soon, yeah. Yeah, huge loss. Mm-hmm. Next, you've got Neil Young and Like a Hurricane. Yeah. Neil Young, for me, there's something I, I can put on a record of his. And I guess it was, you know, one of the reasons, the other reasons that I became an artist was that my parents had a great music collection. Mm. And top of their list was Neil Young. So I listened to his records a lot. He was very influential for me. And... His voice, I mean, similar in the way that Jeff's voice, it can just, um, it's a very different voice, but it has the same effect in that it reaches my, my emotions, uh, so directly. And yeah, you, you just, you hear his soul mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in his vocals. And I also love his guitar playing. And I'm often, when I'm in the studio with a guitarist who's doing a solo on one of my records, I'm often referencing Neil, Neil Young and saying, just like, make it simpler. Yes. You know, because sometimes Neil would often he'll do a guitar solo and it'll be one note, yeah, but there'll just girl. be such an impassioned, like rocking note. Yeah. And that reaches me way more than the noodly, fancy guitar yes. acrobatics. So um, I'm a huge fan. And Like a Hurricane has that that sense of longing in it, which, you know, it's like unrequited love. And there's yeah. nothing like that for reaching you emotionally, I think. And I actually, so I covered this song early on oh. in uh, in the '90s, and I often get asked um, to play it live. So people seem to like my version too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's good. Yeah, I wish you would have brought your guitar and you could play it today. Oh, I didn't know that was an option. Of course, I would. Now you, next time. I was going to say next time for sure because certainly you've got some more songs. Obviously, yeah, you've got more than that. Um, you're coming into Toronto from where? So I live back in Bermuda again. Oh, okay. I moved back there 15 years ago when I had my son Mm -hmm. because I wanted him to grow up in nature. So Mm -hmm. I'd been living in London for quite a long time. London, England. I know when you're in Ontario, (laughs) you have to say, London, England. (laughs) So I'd been living in the UK um, for about, yeah, 14 years and then um, moved back to Bermuda. So I live there, but I obviously travel to record and to tour. Mm Mm-hmm. And now I come to Toronto quite often. My boyfriend lives here. Oh, good. So, yes, I, I will come back and sing on your Please do. show if yeah. you like. <laughs> no, absolutely. I would love for you to do that. Yeah. Please do. Okay, yeah. thank you. Uh, next, Patty Smith. You've got Dancing Barefoot here. Yeah. Patty Smith um, was a huge, still is a huge inspiration because I consider her a poet. And she's someone who's mixed poetry with rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is the ultimate goal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I very much try to make poetry um, when I write a song. I never I never let a, a lyric just do in the meaning. It's like the sound of each word is important and the, uh, and the detail, like I was talking about with the Jeff song. I love this Dancing Barefoot song. Apparently, she wrote it for the lover of, I think, Modigliani, the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and she, she ended up committing suicide. And so this song is, I think, a tribute to her. I love the vibe of the song. And I love the way Patty sort of 
um, goes into poetry at the end over the music. Mm-hmm. And that's something I, I, I do um, from time to time in my songs. I, I saw Patti Smith last year. Oh. Uh, I've seen her many times, but I saw her last year in Amsterdam. Wow. And so she's in her 70s now. Yeah. And talk about, again, about your your skin... Um, vibrating. Vibrating. Uh, you know, being in the audience of that show and seeing Patty in her 70s, but transcending absolutely all age. Yeah. Because you could have been in the 70s <laughs> watching that show. Like, <laughs> she was... It was as if she was, you know, 29 years old and, and rocking that club. Like, and it gave me so much uh, hope and inspiration because... It was a testament to the fact that it, you know, our souls do transcend mm-hmm. all time and age, and and you can rock, you know, right up <laughs> until the day you die if That's your true. spirit is strong and you have it in you, and the the music is good. So absolutely, yeah, she's she's an amazing artist. That's yeah. so cool that you saw her recently. Yeah, it was it was great. I had just played um, in the same club like the month before, and I was still over there in Europe at the end of my tour, and so. Yeah, that was great. That's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, Kate Bush is next, Running Up That Hill. This is a great song. Oh, such a great song. In fact, um, when you asked me to choose songs, though, it was like, oh, my gosh, which Kate Bush song do I choose? Because they all, you know, I have an emotional response to pretty much all of them. And I remember the first time I ever heard Kate Bush. I have a cousin who grew up in New York City, and I was always the, like, sort of, the country mouse and she was the city mouse you know like the very sophisticated were the same age but she knew so much more about everything like boys and music and just everything (laughs) so i remember going up to visit her and she had a turntable in her room and she goes and she she also liked to sing um we would sing together and she said check out check this out and she put on weathering heights Mm. um or the whole album the kick inside which was kate bush's first album and I think she was 17 when she made the record and that made my skin vibrate because I heard vocals that were for the first time to me it sounded like someone was using their voice as an instrument and pushing that boundary and that was a big inspiration to me as a 13 year old uh, hearing that and Kate Bush not only pushes the boundaries with her vocals, but I think she's always done that, even with the structures of her song, the production, and she's just a complete artist in my mind, like, um, stands apart. The, so running up that hill, you know, that very impassioned vocal and that pounding rhythm. Yes. And it's, yeah, it's impassioned, I guess I would say. And I actually covered that recently too, which was fun to do oh, with a cello, really? just myself and a cello. That would sound great. Yeah, it was. Well, when I do a cover, which isn't that often, I like to just take it somewhere completely differently. That's the challenge for me. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, the cello is doing that. Da 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 da. da you know, really yeah. strong with the yeah with the with the depth of the cello. This came out what eighty five. Was, was it that long ago? Yeah. Well, I didn't hear it till the 90s. Hounds of Love, it was on. Hounds of Love. And I was 16, I remember. And I saw the video on uh, yes. Much Music uh-huh. in Canada. And um, I loved it. Yeah. And I didn't even like that kind of music, really. Right. I was a rock guy. But it just got my attention. This and Cloud Bursting. Oh, yeah. That's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. I love Kate Bush. Absolutely. That whole album. And then the, the side B, so to speak, is that sort of concept. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's she's uh, she's unique for sure. 
She is. And exactly what you said, she uses her voice as an instrument. Yes. Yeah, she's certainly unique. She's one of a kind for sure. Mm-hmm. I love your next pick. What was it? I can't remember. <laughs> it was Joni Mitchell. Okay. All I Want, the leadoff track from Blue, one of my favorite records. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I put that there because, again, this was such an early influence for me. And I remember being probably nine years old and knowing every single lyric to that whole album <laughs> and just singing along. And what's fascinating to me was that, okay, I was nine. I had no idea what, because she's talking about relationships all the time in her yeah. songs, you know? And so I feel like I almost learned about what it felt like to be in a relationship before I actually knew, yep. just through listening to jo- to Joni Mitchell. That, yeah. And talk about detail. I mean, what does she say? I want to talk to you. I want to shampoo you. I yeah. want to renew you again and again. And I want to wreck my stockings in some jukebox dive. And I, I had no idea what that was, but yeah. I knew all the words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I think, I think Joni Mitchell almost woke up my emotional self. Okay. Maybe before I was even ready, but I, I I connected to my own feelings through Joni Mitchell and, and also that confessional singer-songwriter thing. I mean, obviously, that was a huge influence for me because I went on to write songs that were <laughs> deeply personal and detailed. Yeah. And yeah, of course, I think she's an icon and, and an influence to probably every female singer-songwriter, whether they know it or not. Yeah. She's she's the the root right that's true definitely yeah. yeah but that that song too there's so much again i mean it, it's like she's so torn up and she's she's got so much longing and not wanting to screw it up but knowing that she is and yeah, yeah that's true and she put it all out there this uh, is all out there yeah what her uh, this is like her third album i think but or like early 70s right but i remember when this came out not when it came out but when i discovered it i read a lot about it and Chris Christopherson, when he right, heard was he the in record, the studio with her? Yeah, yeah. But he's he 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 heard the lyrics and he said, "You're, you're really oh yeah, it's too like, much. You're giving away it's too, too much. much. You're giving away too much of yourself. Like keep something of yeah. yourself for yourself." Yeah, which I thought was really interesting. She's talking about James Taylor. Yes, she's talking about Carrie Raddatz. She doesn't mention any names. Okay, Carrie, get out your cane. But yeah, she spells Carrie with an E. Yeah, I I, I never knew it was a real person. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. But just like so many Californians on that record, Carrie's <laughs> on that. Like this flight tonight, yeah. such a great record. Blue. Yes. Yeah. But you see, people ask me that too. They say, "Do you think that you you give away too much in your songs?" And I absolutely don't feel that because again. I think when you make a song, a song's an entity in itself. And yes, you put your emotion into it and you share details, but not the kind of details, like again, not mentioning names. And and I also find that the most personal songs that I write end up being my best ones. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that connect most with people because ultimately the personal becomes universal. We're all feeling these same things. We're all right. experiencing these these emotions maybe with different stories, but... That's the that's what music's role is to make us all feel connected and and less alone. I think I completely agree with you. So yeah, very well said because th- that's the basis for connectivity. Yes, that 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 genuine sincerity. Yeah, that you give. Yeah, that you're good enough to give. Yeah, as an artist. Yes. So Joni does that to a T. No question. No <laughs> question. Uh, another great picker, Radiohead, "Fake Plastic Trees." Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in the 90s, I was living in London, England. And um, it's when radio had, had was coming out with their first stuff, too. So it takes me back to that time. And I think that album, The Benz, would be in my top 10 
favorite albums. What I love about this song is, you know, it's actually kind of a, a depressing subject in a way because it's about inauthenticity or how shallow the world has become. But you can listen to that song and it's just gorgeous. You can just listen to his voice and the music and it definitely um, makes your skin vibrate. Yes. Even without knowing what the song is about. But it, somehow knowing how depressing it is even makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's so real. It's so raw. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of his voice and the guitars. You know, almost like Jeff Buckley. He he, does, he is a special talent to yeah. kind of uh, evoke emotion with his voice. Totally. You know? Yeah. My favorite Radiohead record is uh, In Rainbows. Okay. And I don't know if you're familiar I'm not with even that. familiar with that It came that out a little album. bit later. Like yeah. After the, but it's just so atmospheric. Okay, I'm, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. It's one of those records you just put on when you're by yourself. Yeah. And kind of lower the lights and you just get taken away. Okay. Yeah, in rainbows. Yeah. Uh, the next song, your last one here, is uh, by your brother. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't sort of, you know, play some favorite songs without playing one of his. Got to give him a plug, but also just because I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Mishka, my brother, is nine years younger than me. And so I was, I had just made my first album and he came to me one day and said, hey, I've written a song and I thought maybe you could put it on your record, your next record. <laughs> and he played me this song and I was floored. I was like, Mishka. That's just crazy good. Like, you have to make a record. Wow. And that was not this song, but it was a song called Give You All the Love, and it's on his first record. And I am... Um, Sorry, the song is Above the Bones. This yeah. song is Above the Bones, which is just one of his, I think, most beautiful songs. But I went on to um, introduce him to Alan McGee, who, who's the head of Creation Records, who signed uh, Oasis and all those. Mm -hmm. um, and Alan signed Mishka on the spot after hearing his demo. And uh, so Mishka came to London and make a, made a record. Wow. And he's made several since then. Um, but this, yeah, this song is so beautiful. He actually wrote the lyrics with his wife. And it's just a song about, I think, returning home to who we are. And uh, it's profound. And his, his voice gives me goosebumps every time. And I don't know if that's because he's my brother. <laughs> it's hard for me to say, but I think... There's so much soul in his voice, and I don't mean soul in the stylistically like soul music. I just mean so much of his soul in his voice. Mm -hmm. And Mishka's—he's someone who was singing from the—I think from before he could talk, he was just always singing. And you know, I told you on we we listened to music a lot. And he, when he was two years old, he knew the lyrics to the whole of the White Album, and he'd get to the mm -hmm. end of side one, and then he'd go turn it over because we had tape cassettes, you know. Yeah. And then he'd sing the whole rest of it. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So you could see that. So going back to your childhood, you could see the musical inclination then. Absolutely. And yeah. You both had it. Yeah. Did your sister have that at all? Well, she didn't. You know, she's got a great voice, but she never did anything with music um, career-wise. Mm. Yeah, but I think it runs in the family for sure. Many of my cousins are singer-songwriters, and well, well, your parents must be very proud. I think they're happy that we found our passions and uh, yeah, for sure. That is your list. Yes. Um, I want you to come back with more. Thanks. It's so nice talking to you. Yeah, it was great talking to you too. I'm so glad that we met. Yeah. Heather Nova, a new record is Pearl coming at June 28th. Make sure you go and get that. This has been No Sleep to Subway with Brent Jensen and Heather Nova. Until next time, folks, take good care. 
Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Suppery, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.